Blog Talk Radio. Christmas in France? Christmas! Christmas! Hey Hamilton, have a holly jolly Christmas. Mistletoe alert! Bust you up. Go for it. Well, here we go. The war is on. We're just waiting for the bell. And there is the bell. You know what that means. It's time for another knockdown drag out. Two people enter. One retro expert leaves here on Six Degrees of Retro here on blogtalkradio.com slash GRR, the Greg Reifstick Radio Network. I am your co-host, Greg Reifstick, of course. And because this is our mega holiday spectacular, we couldn't afford the Rockettes. So instead, we will have our opening number by Rudolph and the gang. Oh, here comes Fatty with a sack of ship. Here comes Fatty with a sack of ship. Here comes Fatty with a sack of ship. And all them stinking and dirty. Well, I believe in Santa Claus. Yeah, I believe that he's a prick. And though it comes but once a year, it's enough to make me sick. Him and this Christmas spirit are really a lot of bunk. I'll have to bust my ass for another year just to pay for all this junk. Here comes Patty with a sack of shit. Here comes Patty with a sack of shit. Here comes Patty with a sack of shit. And all them stink and reindeer. Fatty Claus. What a great opening number. <laughs> anyway, um, thank you for listening. And uh, I see that our new permanent co-host is on the line. Hello, Trista. Are you there? I'm here. <laughs> did, did that song not warm the cockles of your heart or what? Yep. Both of them. <laughs> Both cockles. <laughs> That's a the pretty good one. one and the right one. Oh, yeah. So, how, how's your uh, holiday season going so far? You know, I finally got the tree up, so I'm starting to feel a little bit of the Christmas spirit. Mm-hmm. A little bit. Uh, I'm going on a cruise at the end of the month, so that's all I'm living for, really. I'm, I could skip all this other <laughs> junk and just get right on that boat. <laughs> Nothing says Christmas like going on a cruise. I'll tell you, yeah, it, it's always yeah. it's always fun to relax during the holidays. Everybody has their own traditions that they like to follow, and uh, this is going to be a uh, new tradition uh, because uh, I am welcoming you as uh, permanent co-host here at Six Degrees of Retro. Thank you for joining us on this uh, on this movie journey, movie and uh, TV journey. Well, thank 
you so much for inviting me along. It's been a lot of fun, and I'm looking forward to all the mayhem we're going to wreak in uh, 2018. Yep. (laughs) Mayhem. That's a very good word for it. Definite mayhem. Um, So what were some of the traditions your family had at uh, Christmas growing up? Well, I mean, we always got our tree like the day after Thanksgiving. And I actually tried to keep that alive as an adult. Um, And this year I failed miserably. Like I just got the tree like last week and then it sat in my house like naked for three days, which, you know, I felt the, the anger emanating from the tree like, Put some stuff on me. How dare you? Uh, we didn't, I don't know, we weren't super traditional people, which has led to me being the person that I am today. Uh, I guess just the timing of when the holiday decorations was about as consistent as we ever got. Yeah. The only tradition we had growing up in Chicago was going down to what's now, unfortunately, Macy's. And it was uh, Marshall Fields down in downtown Chicago and hopping on the L train and going down on the L in Chicago and getting off and on State Street, the complete chaos as a young, young kid, you know, bobbing, weaving, getting dragged <laughs> by your parents by the hand. And but finally having the ultimate awesomeness at the end of it, seeing the store windows every Christmas at at, at at Marshall Fields was just always wonderful. And I mean, I went back there and I, they they try to do it, but I mean, it used to be all animatronic and fun. And now uh, now the uh, new Chicago holiday tradition is they have the uh, German uh, Klindermart or whatever it's called, uh, where it's just, German German Christmas, uh, lots of uh, you know the the uh, nice little cookies with powdered sugar on them, and a beer, mm-hmm. and a and a, a you know a traditional Christmas pretzel. You know? <laughs> <laughs> there were there were pretzels in the manger, right? There were there were Christmas pretzels. Christmas uh, I pretzels. think I remember, yeah, hearing that part <laughs> of the story of the you know birth of Christ was the the. The uh, offering of the pretzels. The offering uh, of the pretzel. Okay, I'm I'm, yeah. I'm starting it now. <laughs> <laughs> Sign of beer and the Christmas pretzel. You heard it here first on Six Degrees of Retro. I like that beer part. All right. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, let's get on with it. Let's uh, get on. Uh, of course, um, if you haven't listened yet. Uh, the way it works is this is a well now it's not it, it's still going to be a knockdown drag out battle but now we're going to be sparring as opposed it's still going to be a challenge um, Tristan and I will each do uh, try and link six movies and uh, or uh, music or whatever the subject is of the week and this week is our mega holiday spectacular so uh, Trista let's start you off with your first holiday film. Oh, this is a good one. Um, We're going to start off with the Star Wars Holiday Special from 1978. I don't know 
any kid that wasn't scarred by this special holiday experience. Yeah, scarred is a good word for it. <laughs> it's It was kind of like Luke getting his hand chopped off by his dad, you know? Yeah, it's the first, well, it's one of those moments in childhood where you just realize grown-ups are bullshit, you know, like. <laughs> but corporate corporate adults are bullshit. Oh, God. How much crap can we try and squeeze into one Christmas special? <laughs> um, yeah. Tell, tell us your, tell us the highlights. Highlights? Let's see. Um, it's really long. Um, you've got, you know, a lot of Wookiee in this. Like, and when I say a lot of Wookiee, I mean the Wookiee language, which is just a bunch of noise. Um, it's it's incredible that they got away with this. Um, we've got a this, uh, you know, made up celebration of uh, Life Day, which is as close to uh, Christmas as they were willing to get. Uh, you know, I guess this is, uh, yeah, it's the Wookiees version of, of Christmas. And, um, oh, God, we've got a bunch of... I think it was some Stone Writers of, version of Christmas. That's what I think it was. It's, yeah, it's just, it's so terrible on this tremendous scale. I guess because, for one thing, I mean, the movie just blew away everyone right so uh, you know as a kid you're just excited you know you find out this is going to be on tv and you're just looking forward to it because you're thinking it's going to be more of that and what do you get you get fucking b arthur yeah you know <laughs> you get mod you get uh, yeah you get you mod get, you get all this shit that your parents were probably into, and maybe not even your parents. Maybe your grandparents were more into. You've got her. You've got Art Carney, um, Harvey Corman being painfully unfunny, yep. and then the weirdest of all is Diane Carroll uh, doing this, uh, you know, I don't know, what would you even, what do you call this? It's like the Grandpa Wookiee is looking at this kind of glorified Viewmaster machine, and it's, I guess it's kind of, she's like this performing hologram that's vaguely pornographic, and it's just a really disturbing scene to watch. I mean, she's lovely. Um, you know, she's just one of those people that was like, you know, she's talented, but she never did anything for me. I mean, I never really got into her, but this has to be one of the lowest points in her her career. Oh, definitely. Definitely. I always looked at this special when I've watched it when people have had the bootlegs of it, because the one thing we, of course, need to note for people that might not know, but it, the only way you're going to get this is on the bootleg market. This will, this is like um, Disney's Song of the South. It's never going to have an official release. 
on video ever just because Luke, George Lucas, I'm sure, is embarrassed by it for letting it happen. Um, Lucasfilm's embarrassed. You know, I, I, I work for Disney. I know for sure they wouldn't release this because it's just, as you said, it's like the lowest form of entertainment for the ultimate event. It's just horrible, horrible. Let's, let's, let's play the opening of it to give people a taste of just how dreadful this is. The Star Wars Holiday Special Starring Mark Hamill as Luke Skywalker Harrison Ford as Han Solo Carrie Fisher as Princess Leia With Anthony Daniels as C-3PO Peter Mayhew as Chewbacca R2-D2 as R2-D2. And James Earl Jones as the voice of Darth Vader. Introducing Chewbacca's family. His wife, Mala. His father, Itchy. His son, Lumpy. With special guest stars, Beatrice Arthur, Art Carney, Diane Carroll, the Jefferson Starship, Harvey Corman, and an animated Star Wars story on the Star Wars Holiday Special. Two things. One, Kenny Baker getting totally dissed. <laughs> R2-D2 is R2-D2. It's Kenny Baker, you a-holes. <laughs> what the hell? <laughs> He's letting his ass off inside of the R2-D2 outfit. and Nope. We're not acknowledging him. <laughs> and Jefferson Starship... Oh, Dad, look, Jefferson Starship's going to be on. we got to watch this. Oh, how far the mighty have fallen. I mean, <laughs> this is just, I mean, just hearing that, didn't your heart start sinking the more he started talking? Like, oh, yeah. you're all excited, and then he gets to, like, Beatrice Arthur, and you're like, what? Yep. <laughs> and it just goes downhill. It's like just them saying, by the way, this is going to suck. Oh, thanks. Thanks for letting me know. Jeez. <laughs> oh, we actually, uh, we can, a couple yeah. of years ago, um, one of my friends who loves, you know, putting us through our paces as far as, like, what's available to watch out in the world. Um, we watched this one year at Christmas time, and it was a chore. I mean, I think people were just getting you go into this weird state of like belief and and you're just staring and you can't believe that it won't stop. And his copy also included the commercials that ran at the time and there were a bunch of like really long form commercials about like 
unions and the automobile industry and just can you imagine? Ugh. It's funny that you mention that. It's really funny that you mention that because I found that on YouTube. And Ugh. let's play the Chris Star the only good commercial out of the whole thing was the toy commercial, which I'm gonna play right now. Star Wars, you and your children loved it. Now the Earthlings at Kenner have asked my associate and me to present the Star Wars collection. Truly remarkable toys and games for your children. What is excited about now? My goodness, the Star Wars high fighter and X-Wing fighter. Now your children can relive our great space battles or collect our wonderful Star Wars companions, the Kenner Star Wars action figures. It's a little new. Kenner's new radio-controlled R2-D2 anyone can command. Ah, the Star Wars land speeder that moves like it's floating. And here's Kenner's Death Star Space Station. Four floors of action. A trash compactor too. That's the Star Wars electronic laser battle, a game of speed, reflex, and reaction. These and other toys and games in Kenner's Star Wars collection are sold separately. Batteries are not included. May the force be with you and your children. May the force be with your children and your wallet. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Wasn't that great? See, that took you back to the good, happy part with the the Star Wars toys. Oh, I had my big AT-AT that I loved. Oh, my God. I just beat the hell out of that thing. But I had tons and tons of figures. I had the Darth Vader collector's case, and I definitely Ah. had the AT-AT. And then I had the uh, X-Wing and my friend had the TIE fighter. So we were, we were simpatico, man. We, we were great. You know? I wanted that Darth Vader collector's box. And I mean, we didn't, we didn't even have, I don't think any of the action figures, but that box was so fucking cool. And yeah. then my brother and I, we did have lightsabers, which we, you know, the, the, uh, light part was this plastic that was like really fragile and I guess within a couple of weeks of getting those we like beat them to hell and they were all bent bent and you couldn't really use it anymore but it was fun well, while it I, lasted well you see that's back when you actually kids actually played with toys as opposed to now oh, you, well you got the the adults buying the toys and they just sit there in a case and I'm going to sell this one day and I'm going to put myself through college with this and it's like take it out of the god I I I freaked I remember Tron Legacy came out and I bought a bunch of figures and I had them at work and this girl who's like a total collector and she has like all these action figures at her desk I just I went, I said I'm going to do something that's going to freak you out and she was what and I just was opening them in front of her <laughs> And she literally almost started crying. Uh, <laughs> you, know, you just devalued all of those. I go, I'm going to set them on my desk without the case and enjoy them. Thank you. I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna the value them. is in the enjoyment of them. It's not at fucking just looking at it. No. You know? I mean, well, you look at art, you know, but action figures are to be touched and played with and made. And it's like, you know. We just I, made, and we just made about. 100 people flip us off but that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> that 
that's you how know, I get through life. The more people I get riled up, the happier I am. So you know what? Flip me off. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, let's get into my first. That was a great first rounder. Thank you. And let me get into my. Um, mine is, of course, I'm, I'm, I'm starting out very traditional and then going completely off the rails. But uh, my first film is the John Hughes Christmas holiday Thanksgiving classic, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, of course, uh, 1987, written and directed by John Hughes, filmed in Chicago and across the country. And uh, just it's the misadventures of this control freak uh, named Neil played by the great Steve Martin. And he's a businessman. Of course, he's just trying to get home for the holidays, get, get home for Thanksgiving and his flight gets diverted because of a snowstorm to this little out in the middle of nowhere town in Kansas. And he ends up having to try and get home and, you know, hilarity ensues because he, uh, ends up having a he becomes travel buddies reluctant travel buddies with Del Griffith, uh, played by the late Chicago uh, actor John Candy, and just wackiness ensues. It's it's fantastic. Everybody knows this movie for its two classic scenes, of course. The the one which I'm not going to play because everybody just knows it is uh, um, they they end up uh, bunking together and uh, John Candy ends up in bed with him. And uh, he's he's spooning him, and there's the great uh, silence <laughs> when Steve Martin realizes that John Candy's spooning him, and all of a sudden there's the line. He's like, "Where's your hand?" And he's like, "Between two pillows." Those aren't pillows. <laughs> <laughs> both get up, both freak out, both feel homophobic. It's fantastic. And then, of course, there's the scene that I'm going to play, um, which is my personal favorite, which is Steve Martin at the uh, – do you remember this scene with Edie McClurg at the uh, rent-a-car? It's the best scene in the movie <laughs> to me. It is my number one favorite scene. It's great. It's both of our favorite scenes. It's fantastic. <laughs> Wonderful, artful – I will just say artful use of profanity. Let, let's, let's just play it. No, Mom's going to do the turkey. Yeah, Dad wants ambrosia, so I guess we got to get those miniature marshmallows. And I'll do the crescent rolls, and you do the cranberry. You know I can't cook. <laughs> yeah, well, I'll see you tomorrow, then. Gobble, gobble. <laughs> oh, bye-bye. <laughs> Welcome to Marathon. May I help you? Yes. How may I help you? You can start by wiping that fucking dumbass smile off your rosy fucking cheeks. Then you can give me a fucking automobile, a fucking Datsun, a fucking Toyota, a fucking Mustang, a fucking Buick, four fucking wheels and a seat. I really don't care for the way you're speaking to me. And I really don't care for the way your company left me in the middle of fucking nowhere with fucking keys to a fucking car that isn't fucking there. And I really didn't care to fucking walk down a fucking highway and across a fucking runway to 
could get back here to have you smile in my fucking face. I want a fucking car right fucking now. May I see your rental agreement? I threw it away. Oh, boy. Oh, boy, what? You're fucked. <laughs> <laughs> the great Edie McClary, ladies and gentlemen. There's, there's no words. <laughs> it's just such an artful use of profanity. It's just fantastic. Like, it and, any other scene would any and anybody else doing it, it would seem gratuitous. But just the the uh, Steve Martin is such a a um a great actor, comedic actor that he just sells it, sells it, sells it the whole damn way. And it it isn't like you're even hearing profanity; it's just you're hearing ire we, that we've all felt when we've had to walk up to that counter and we've been through hell, and <laughs> we want our satisfaction, you know. She she really. Um, she is so great in that scene. Just a little bit of her being on the phone with, mm-hmm. I, I guess it's her sister or whoever she's talking to, and she, when she does that little thing, for some <laughs> yeah. reason, I always just crack the fuck up. Before he even starts his tirade, just that little extra just <laughs> totally just makes me just die laughing. Because, you know, We've all encountered that person working in a service position, and they are just, like, mindlessly happy. When when he walks up, you can tell. I mean, you can look at him and just tell, like, oh, shit, something's gone really bad here. And the way that she just greets him with that, like, stock, like, hello, how can I help you, you know, smile. Uh, I love how it, he just dismantles it. Yep. We've you all know wanted I can't to do cook. it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know I can't cook. I'll bring the biscuits. I can't cook. You know that. <laughs> and and what I noticed in um, recording the sound for this was she always, it, just like in uh, Ferris Bueller's Day Off, she always like does that little uh, scratch of her head. <laughs> Oh, yeah. She takes a little, I looked, and she has a little, uh, she takes the pencil, she just scratches her head with the pencil <laughs> while she's talking. <laughs> and it just reminds me of, I uh, said it on, I, um, I, I think I've said this on a podcast before, but uh, she came up with the scene in Ferris Bueller of the pence of all the stuff in her hair. She, oh, I um, didn't know that. They needed a bit of business. And she says to John, and the scene was working okay. She said, and they filmed it. And she goes, hey, you know, what if she just, you know, doesn't just pull one pencil out? And she just keeps pulling stuff out of her, out of her, uh, you know, hair. And John's like, I love it. And <laughs> they went to the prop guy. They went to the wardrobe person, prop person, and rigged. It took about an hour, she said, and they rigged this thing. And they stick it on her head. And so she threw all kinds of crap in there. <laughs> And that was her bit of business, and it was just great. And it's a classic scene where she's just like looking, ooh, how, how did that get in there? I don't remember that being in there. <laughs> <laughs> and when I saw her scratching her head uh, before she gives her little thing about her family, I was like, oh, Edie, Edie's scratching her head. That's great. <laughs> What's she going to pull out of there? <laughs> Yo, I was waiting. I was like, oh, 
she could pull stuff out. Oh, yeah, no, this isn't that movie. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, let's go on to your round two holiday films. So my round two, sticking with a TV special, um, and it's connected to the first one by um, Steve. I don't know if his last name is Bender or Binder. I'm going to say Bender because he seems like a bent individual. Mm-hmm. Um, he produced uh, Christmas at Pee-wee's Playhouse. Uh, this is in 1988, so it's just uh, 10 years later. And I, well, I was a huge fan of Pee-wee Herman. I never missed an episode of that show while it was running. And um, I truly enjoyed this Christmas special. I actually watched it again uh, this year, and it's just, I mean, are we ever going to live in a time like that again? It was so special um, just seeing the people that they chose to be on this thing, you know, with him. I don't know that kids really connected with the the guest stars, but it, it was I don't know. It's just magical. Um, so you're telling me this person that produced the Star Wars special produced this? Well, he directed the Star Wars special, and he produced oh. this one. CB- he actually he, did a bunch of Christmas specials. Yeah. They were both run CBS, so yeah, he was probably just the Christmas special guy. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, this had another insane cast to it. Does just oh, we, yeah. Charo and you know Frankie and Annette. Sink. Yeah, uh, my favorite scene was uh, <clears throat> was Grace Jones. I mean, that really came out of left field. Like, what? Why? You know, yeah. <laughs> what is she doing here? But she does this amazing rendition of uh, the little drummer boy, and it's you know it kind of takes you out of the whole like thing, you know, it just puts you in, in this other level and she looks amazing. And it's almost like, I wonder what kids were thinking, you know, when they saw this for the first, I mean, I was, you know, I was a little bit older, so I, I totally got it. And I was into Grace Jones already, but you know, I'm just thinking of like little Susie and little Johnny, you know, like the six-year-olds were just like, what the hell is going on right now? Grace Jones can be a trip to a five-year-old, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Mommy, what's going on? Where's Pee-wee? Pee-wee the back. only misstep, I think, was um, Katie Lang. I love her, but they made her, I can't remember what song she did, but um, it was this you know, super happy, jolly Christmas song. And I was like, why didn't they let her do it in her style, which it would have been more melodic and slower version and like maybe slow down the manic energy that was going on. I think if Mm -hmm. they'd let her be true to herself, because it just was, it seemed so out of character for her. Um, But thankfully it's over. I mean, if you're going to, if you're going to do a song like that, go get Cindy Lauper, you know, yeah. who did the theme anyway, just bring her in. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I agree with you. Kind of a odd, um, odd, uh, a person to have on the show, Katie Lang, for sure. But what I have a feeling is I have a, 
uh, I mean, Paul Rubens, I, 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 I think I heard somewhere, I mean, like, I think he handpicked this cast uh, of people. And have you ever heard Paul Rubens on Chris Hardwick's uh, Nerdist podcast? No. I, I highly advise everybody to go listen to that episode. And it, it, ta- it speaks to how much he really had a passion for the show and how much work he put into it and how much work he put into the character. And the funniest thing that he talks about on there is he, um, he said, I was a chain smoker at the time. I was horrible. I'd get nervous about, you know, how the show was going and, you know, the network was up his ass about everything and he was a chain smoker and he goes, I hope nobody ever, he goes, I'm glad this wasn't back in the day. You know, it wasn't now back then where you, everybody had pictures, of everybody doing stuff because he's like, if I knew that somebody had a picture of Pee Wee smoking a cigarette. He's like, it would break my heart. <laughs> Cause he's like, now we just I'm, stuck with the the image of Pee Wee jacking off in a movie theater. So there's that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, he got such flack for that. And he sits there, he's like, it wasn't like I was in a regular movie theater. I was in an adult movie theater. That's where you're <laughs> supposed to do that. And he goes, some crazy cop just was like, oh, I'm going to get my, you know, day in the sun. Let's, let's go get poor Paul Rubens. And, uh, you know, yeah, it's yeah. one of the saddest moments in entertainment history, really, because I remember seeing all the footage of, like, you know, on TV of like people burning their peewee memorabilia and toys, and just you know, really just going over the top over this thing. And it's like if we didn't demonize sex so much in in America, that would have been just a moment to just laugh. You know, oh, it's something else yeah. that he's done that's made us laugh, and then we just move on. But, uh, you know, I guess you can't be a children's TV show host and, like, get caught doing something like that and expect to get by unscathed. But I wish, you know, I, I would have watched that show, you know, forever. Now they just make you president of the United States. Anyway, uh, <laughs> play the opening for Pee-wee's Christmas special. Welcome to the Playhouse and to Pee-wee's Christmas special. Oh, the holidays are here again. He's on earth, goodwill and cheer. And we wish you season greetings at this Let's go! 
behind the shore. Hell yeah, I'm in. I'm so in. Let's go play some golf. Anyway. Uh, Dinah Shore was actually really funny. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, she, that, the, she, her and Charo, you know, we were, people know, if they're young, don't know. I mean, in the 70s, they were enormous. Enormous. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that was all a good time. Uh, little Richard, gotta love him. He's oh. like in the snow, and I was like, yeah, he's used to being around that much powder at one time. <laughs> he sure is. <laughs> <laughs> he's right at home right now. <laughs> uh, I still have in a box somewhere a uh, a uh, m- small Bible that was passed out at. I went to there was a show here. Uh, that used to happen in LA and it might still happen, but I don't think it does. It's called Hoot Nanny and it was all rockabilly bands and they got little Richard one year and little Richard played at like three in the afternoon and it was such a trip. And I'm like, Oh hell yeah, I got to see this. I'd never seen him and little Richard's just playing. And then he has his uh, members of his church passing out Bibles. And I actually have a mini Bible that says it's from little Richard in the Bible. <laughs> oh my God. That's oh, amazing. Yeah. I'm like, I'm keeping this forever. <laughs> and it was great. After every song, after every song, he had to blame the white man for stealing his music. It was fantastic. <laughs> every song, you know, the white man took my goddamn music. <sighs> Elvis took my music. Jerry Lee Lewis took my damn music. All the white men took my music. And now here's another song. <laughs> And I'm just like, yeah, yeah, we did. Yeah, it sucks. Yeah. <laughs> oh gosh. Oh man, yeah. That that oh that that Pee Wee brought back memories. They used to did they used to show them at uh, bars around you when you were growing up. They they had a bar called the Orbit Room in Chicago, and they would show Pee Wee's Playhouse while you sat there and drank, and it was just so much fun. It was just so much fun. I mean, it was so good because adults could enjoy it because there were there were a lot of uh, hidden kind of things in there that adults could, you know, get a kick out of. Although my mother hated the show. She just thought it was loud and obnoxious and she never really got it. But I mean, for the most part, it seemed like adults really enjoyed it and kids just loved it. I mean, he just I don't know. He was like the grown-up that we could – he was a grown boy, you know, mm-hmm. uh, that we could identify with because he was doing all these things that, you know, we as kids, you know, did. I don't know. It was, it was just a genius, genius character. you got to grow up in some ways, but in some ways you don't, you know? <laughs> yeah, I'm never going to. I've decided. <laughs> I'm committed. Oh. Some days I really don't anyway, but I will, I will. Here's, here's, uh, Greg's, uh, uh, editorial announcement. If I hear the word adulting again, I'm going to kill a millennial. I swear. Yeah. I will adulting? back you up a hundred percent. No, it's called paying your rent or doing stuff you're supposed to do on a daily basis. Oh, I hate adulting. <laughs> Shut up. Yeah. Well, my, if you do mind. end up having to kill one, I will come and visit you 
I mean, I I get it. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> oh, all right. Let's move on to my round two. And my, I, this is where I go into, you've been sticking with very traditional holiday stuff. And then there's always these movies that take place during the holidays or have a fantastic holiday scene. And uh, this film has a drunk, um, a drunk uh, Kevin Bacon uh, passing out at a manger, (laughs) which nothing says Christmas to me more than being drunk and passing out in a manger. I mean, come on, you know, Uh, it's the movie Diner and it's, it's, it's a great ensemble cast and a film that doesn't get enough recognition to me. Barry Levinson directed this and it's very autobiographical about him growing up in Baltimore and it's just these five guys that hang out at the diner. You have uh, Timothy Daly. You have a very young pre-drugs Mickey Rourke. You have the Goot, Steve Gutenberg. Uh, you have uh, you have um, Mr. Keith, and uh, it's it's just a great and Paul Reiser and just squabbling and crazy uh crazy great one-liners and just a whole lot of fun uh you've seen this movie right i have and it's such a great film uh i was excited to hear that you were doing this one because i hadn't watched it in so long and it it's just this great like slice of life movie and it's so believable you totally get taken into this world of these guys and you're just like hanging out with them and it just, uh, you know, everybody's amazing in it. Yeah. It, and it's just, it, it is, um, you could tell it's made with a lot of passion and just, it has, it, it's basically a bunch of vignettes. Like every scene is staged as like, and, and, and builds and builds and builds and just has this great crescendo to it. You have the, uh, See them arguing in the diner over uh, a Frank Sinatra um, who, who, or Johnny Mathis, who's the better singer. You have, and and, and that's coupled with um, them fighting over a sandwich. Uh, Paul Reiser keeps trying to eat a sandwich and keeps throwing him off. You know, oh, you're not going to eat that second half of your sandwich, are you? And that whole deal. And of course, he ends up giving up the sandwich and just all these little in jokes. And then, of course, the ultimate. Um, hilarious scene which wouldn't wouldn't play in the landscape very well right now of Mickey Rourke uh taking a girl to the movies and uh burrowing a hole in the bottom of the popcorn with his cock and <laughs> having her get some going going for the popcorn you know there was a prize in the bottom of the box of the popcorn <laughs> that she wasn't expecting she yeah and she doesn't like the prize either and <laughs> She's not welcome by her. The original dick in a box. It's the original dick in a box, definitely. This time it's a popcorn box. And But um, I remember, um, I didn't see this at the theater. I remember watching it with my dad. And my dad just thought the whole film was like comedy of the highest order. And it was it was just great. Um, and also, the guys in this are, you're, 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 this takes place in a you know a much different time. And unfortunately, the one downfall of the movie is there's a lot of chauvinism in it, and the women are kind of treated 
a la the popcorn scene kind of crappy, uh, especially uh, uh, Daniel Stern is like freaking out about his record collection. And that's the scene I'm going to play, you know, don't touch my fucking records. I have them a certain way, you know, and of course he has to end it on a, you know, happy note, but still he's kind of just like, you know, it's like, dude, it's your record collection, like calm down. And <laughs> um, Paul <laughs> Wright and um, uh, one of the other characters, uh, uh, which one is it? Uh, ends up giving, I think it's Paul Reiser gives, his, yeah, it gives his uh, wife a football quiz, and he's supposed to marry her, and he won't marry her. Actually, it's Gutenberg. It's Gutenberg. Yeah. Yeah, she has to pass the quiz, or he she won't marry her. The, yeah, yeah, and it's a football quiz, and it's like, dude, really? Yeah, but that's Baltimore, <laughs> and that's what Barry Lemons is trying to say is these the kind of jackholes that we were growing up. It is what, this is what you're worried about in your 20s and of course you get older in your 30s and 40s and you if you're smart you let all that go and realize life's too short but these guys are still in their cocky ass 20s so <laughs> they got to stick up their ass about a lot of stuff <laughs> so let's play the uh the famous uh don't mess up my record scene from diner so didn't I tell you the procedure? Yeah, you told me all about it, Treaty. They have to be in alphabetical order. And what else? Uh, they have to be filed alphabetically and according to year as well. Okay. And what else? What else? I don't know. You don't know? Well, let me give you a hint, okay? I found my James Brown record filed under the J's. Instead of the B's, I don't know who taught you to alphabetize. But to top it off, he's in the rock and roll section. Instead of the R&B section. How can you do that? It's too complicated, Shrevy. See, every time I pull out a record, there's this whole procedure I have to go through. I just want to hear the music, that's all. Is it too complicated to just keep my records in the category, okay? Just put the rock and roll in with the rock and roll. Put the R&B in with the R&B. I mean, you're not going to put Charlie Parker in with the rock and roll, would you? Would you? I don't know. Who is Charlie Parker? Jazz! Jazz! He, he was the greatest jazz saxophone player that ever had! What are you getting so crazy about? It's just music. It's not that big a deal. It, it is. Don't you understand? This, this is important to me. Trivi, why do you yell at me? No. I never hear you yell at any of your friends. Look, pick a record, okay? What? Just pick any record. Any record. Okay. What's, what's the hit side? Good golly, Miss Molly. Okay. Now ask me what's on the flip side. Why? Just, just ask me what's on the flip side, okay? What is on the flip side? Hey, 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 1958 Specialty Records. See, you don't ask me things like that, do you? No, you never ask me what's on the flip side. No, because I don't give a shit. Shrevy, who cares about what's on the flip side of a record? I do! Every one of my records means something. The label, the producer, the year it was made. Who was copying whose styles? Who was expanding on that? Don't you understand? When I listen to my records, 
They take me back to certain points in my life, okay? Just don't touch my records. Ever. The first time that I met you? Modell Sisters High School graduation party, right? 1955. And ain't that a shame was playing when I walked in the door. Man, Ellen, Ellen Barkin <laughs> lets you have sex with her and you're all hung up about your records, dude. You have your priorities wrong, man. <laughs> Here's my take on that. He didn't know this shit before he married her? Because honestly, I would not marry somebody who didn't know who Charlie Parker was. I'm right. just saying. I don't care how hot they are. You know what I mean? Like, he's just now finding out that she's, yeah. uh, you know, she doesn't have her her uh, musical facts together. Yeah. You know, she, <laughs> that she's not into what he's into. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, I love that scene. It always, and and any time I see that scene, it makes me think of the movie High Fidelity. Because <laughs> <laughs> the movie High Fidelity is 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 uh, you know an entire an entire movie of that <laughs> entire yeah. film basically of the record. I, every, when I first saw High Fidelity, I go, oh god, this whole movie is the record scene from Diner, <laughs> like the extended extended twelve inch mix. <laughs> The hard part about that scene, I guess, to take is that she she just looks so lovely. You know, she's yeah. just so beautiful. And he's yelling in her face. You know, he's saying all this stuff. And you're just looking at him like, uh, you know, she could have done better. <laughs> yeah, but that's what I said. Ellen Parkins letting you have sex with her. Shut up about the records. <laughs> Who, I, honestly, who cares if she doesn't know who Charlie Parker is? <laughs> who cares? It's great to see uh, Ellen Barkin and you know Mickey Rourke together in this movie because they went on later to be in Johnny Handsome together, which is yep. one of my favorite movies. She's Wonderful. a totally different character in that, though. She's a total badass in that movie. So mm-hmm. she gets her own back, you know? And it's, everybody, everybody in this film is so pretty and fresh-faced. And they're also young, and all of them, uh, some of them have had rougher times, a la Ellen Barkin and Mickey Rourke. <laughs> yeah. Like you watch Animal Kingdom on TNT, and you're like, wow. <laughs> El- Ellen's done some hard living, baby. You're still a fantastic actress, but damn, you've. Uh... <laughs> She's been to- through some things. A few things. A few- so's Mickey. A few things. A few things. Well put. <laughs> I follow him on Instagram, and uh, it's a never-ending source of entertainment. I mean, it's oh, yeah. a lot of uh, pictures like of him and his dog, and he's got, like, I can't remember what it is, but it's, you know, just this cute little, I think it's a terrier of some sort, and you wouldn't think that's the kind of dog that Mickey Rourke would have, but he does, and he clearly loves his dog, and you know, it's it's like pictures like that, and then it's like him, like with his macho buddies, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I just find him fascinating. I I had a huge crush on him. I just thought he was, like, the hottest thing ever. And then he he took a left turn, you know? He he took the left turn at Albuquerque, or he did yep, take he sure the left did. turn at Albuquerque. <laughs> He, he maybe sure he was supposed to take that left turn, and he didn't. And yep. uh, I just watched that whole train wreck 
uh, yep. totally dismayed. If you if you want to see, it, basically, the it's always great. The last film he did before it all really went to hell, and it's when he was unfortunately abusing his co-star, was uh, Wild Orchid. The Zalman King classic. And that was yeah. like the last pretty Mickey Rourke movie with him looking good. And then after that was like when the drugs took hold and he was abusing his, uh, Carrie Otis and it all just went to hell. And it's actually why I love Wild Orchid. I'm like, this film is such a mess, but it's like the last, it, it's, it's his last movie before the turn at Albuquerque. <laughs> For sure. Yeah. He, um, I actually liked Wild Orchid. I mean, it's it's a terrible movie, but it's sexy. So it's got that going for movies. it. That's your thing. That's your thing. Yeah. Well, it's terrible and worth watching. It's not terrible and, you know, I didn't want to kill myself while I was watching it. I actually, like, <laughs> I thought, he's looking really good. She's looking really good. Sex is happening all over the place. And the people are not. You know, everybody's pretty attractive in this. I like it. Oh, you got masks? You got everything. It's a fun... <laughs> lots and lots of masks near the end of the movie. It's fantastic. Here we are on our holiday, mega holiday spectacular, talking about Wild Orchid, only here on Six Degrees of Retro, everybody. <laughs> this is how we roll. This is how the video vixen and the movie maniac roll. Um so I digress. I never said the link between the two movies. Uh, there's a great scene in Planes, Trains, and Automobiles where um, Steve Martin is trying to get a cab and Kevin Bacon shows up in a cameo. And little do we know that the reason Kevin Bacon shows up in that movie is because he was. they were just about to start filming after this movie. Uh, she's having a baby, which she was in, of course, a John Hughes film with uh, Elizabeth Perkins. So no, not Elizabeth Perkins. I got that wrong. Who's who's the co-star and she's having a baby? Oh, what's her face? Uh, anyway, I can people, see her Google, face so so clearly. Google it, people. Anyway, we can't do all the heavy lifting <laughs> here, man. Our brains get tired after after all of this. But um, it's Elizabeth something. Elizabeth McGovern. McGovern. Thank you. That's what it was. Not Perkins. It was McGovern. How I, I she she was in Ordinary People, which is just such another warm feeling holiday. <laughs> <laughs> Suicide for the holidays. Anyway. <laughs> oh God, yeah. That that, that between that movie and Why You Were Sleeping, which everybody loves, I always call, oh hey, you like a little coma with your Christmas? Yeah, sure. Uh, Let's watch While You Were Sleeping. It's romantic. <laughs> I've never anyway. seen it, and I never will. <laughs> <laughs> well, let me uh, let's move on to your uh, your round three. All right. So for round three, it's connecting from uh, Christmas at Pee Wee's Playhouse by Paul Rubens. Um, he was in Batman Returns, nineteen ninety two. I don't even know where to start. Uh, this movie is okay. It was all right. I, I won't. I mean, after the the first Batman movie, and then we got this. Uh, I wasn't super jazzed on it. Uh, I thought you know Michelle Pfeiffer looked great, but 
the movie's a mess. It's just all over the place. Um, Danny DeVito looked great. I mean, he was. I I found him genuinely scary. Um, Christopher Walken. I'll watch anything with him in it. I I just love him. I don't. He can do no wrong. I don't care. I'm gonna. He's. I find him riveting. Um, but overall, I have to say, I mean, it's it's meh. This movie's meh. But it does take place <laughs> during the yeah. holidays. So we got that. <laughs> yeah, it was – this is what you I, – I used to call um, back in the day, you know, this was a contractual obligation movie. You know, this is – this this was what Sam Raimi had to do with Spider-Man 3 was what Tim Burton had to do with Batman, you know, Returns. It's, okay, I did a really good job. And then, unfortunately, because, you know, the studio's got a lot of money riding on it, this was also the beginning of the idiot studio executives going, well, if we put more bodies in the movie and we put more names above the title, it's going to be a better movie. Not necessarily, you dumb executives out there. Yeah. And I mean, this got thoroughly abused when we got all the way to Joel Schumacher's Batman and Robin, which was like oh. the ultimate sin of of, so of superhero bad. films. <laughs> yeah, I just don't. I mean, uh, I mean, they're trying to sell, you know, Michelle Pfeiffer's character as this like klutz, and she's, you know, can't keep a man, and she's just. And you're just looking at her, and it's like, I don't care how, you know, little makeup you put on her. I don't care what kind of frumpy clothing you put on her. This woman just cannot be made to look unsexy. There's nothing you can do. And who cares if she's a klutz? She's fucking hot. I mean, it just just was all so disingenuous and stupid and the way, you know, just – how she becomes Catwoman was like totally dumb. Just yeah, it was an insult. Yeah, no, I'm with you. I remember when this came out, I was so excited for it to come out because I had seen the original Batman like seven, eight times at the theater. They played it on a double feature with Lethal Weapon Two at the drive-in, and me and my uh, friend at the time. We literally, I think, saw it five times at the drive, <laughs> like every weekend, because you get that and you get Lethal Weapon too. Why not? You know, the ultimate double feature. But uh, then Batman Returns comes and it's just like, oh, come on. And you get to the end of the movie and you're like, that was it? Like, that was it? You've had all those wonderful people in there and that was it? Oh, All right. Well, let's, let's you stop your pain and let's <laughs> play. Let's play your happy place in the movie. A little bit of a, a little bit of Christopher Walken as a uh, Max Shrek. We have with us tonight a man who really needs no introduction. He's given so much to our city. Will you welcome, please, Gotham's own Santa Claus, Max Shrek? Oh, yeah! mm-hmm. Forgot my speech. Remind me to take it out on what's her name? Santa Claus. Afraid not. I'm just a poor schmo. Got lucky. And sue me if I want to give some back. I only wish I could hand out more than just expensive baubles. 
I wish I could hand out world peace and unconditional love wrapped in a big bowl. to tell you about a watch. I'm just kidding. <laughs> that would have been amazing. The ultimate Christmas <laughs> present. I've been keeping this off my ass for 10 Christmases. That movie didn't ruin it. It just sullied Christopher Walken for me because now I can't hear him do anything without thinking of that scene <laughs> in True Romance. Yeah, it's uh, it's kind of uh, can't go go without it now. It's every right. every time, but yeah. that's okay. Yeah, yeah, he's still he's still amazing, and look, we we got like the best music video out of him of all time. Remember the Fat Boy Slim video? Oh, absolutely. Oh, it's like the greatest music video ever of Christopher Walken dancing. <laughs> and who knew? Wasn't that like? Wasn't he a trained dancer or something? He started out dancing, or something like that. And it was like, well, why did it take so long for us to get to see this? Yeah, yeah. Ah, <laughs> uh, all right, good, good choice there. Let me go to my next round, and I am going to take uh, the Goot, as we like to call him, Steve Gutenberg, and go into. Home for the Holidays, um, which me putting this on the list, just I didn't do it to torture you, but your reaction to it was just so, so uh, passionately, nah, <laughs> against this movie. You were just, I, 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 I have to tell everybody out there, it's great, you know, we'll text and we're doing, preparing for the show and thinking about and sharing thoughts. And she's just like, I hate Holly Hunter. I'm like, Wow. <laughs> I go and Holly Hunter shows up dead. I know who I'm sending the cops, sending the cops to. It was, it yeah, was, it was, was Trista Perez, man. She did it. She did it with the I candlestick. I was thinking, I was like, uh, you know, I thought he liked me, but uh, <laughs> now I'm not so sure. Oh, it's a it's a fun holiday film, and as as you, we we acknowledged later in another conversation, I mean, the reason I like this film so much is, it, it and it's not a gr- good thing to like it for, but it's it, this film and the film I'm linking it to are Robert Downey Jr. Back when we knew Robert Downey Jr. is the guy that showed up in kids' bedrooms on drug vendors. I mean. <laughs> He was fun, man. Now he's on. Now he's Iron Man, and he's great. And we're glad he came out the other side. And he's on the GNC, you know, high instead of the cocaine high. But man, he was fun back in the eighties, because you never knew. And in this film, uh, Robert Downey Jr. is the um, son in the family. Is just you could tell from just his eyes is like coked out of his mind through the entire film. So 
fucking manic in this movie. <laughs> yep. I mean, I felt high just looking at him. I was like, didn't anybody say anything? I mean, Jodie Foster directed this thing. Didn't she think to say something like, you know, dial it down a little bit? Maybe wait until tonight to do your speedball. Right. Like, or, you know, like, maybe <laughs> right. let's cut out the lunchtime stuff. You know, let's. No, he's just. He, yeah. Between him and then, here's my Holly Hunter thing. I fucking hate the way she talks. I just like, oh, I'm listening to her it. talk and I'm just like, stop it with that, okay? Just stop it. I, I love was it. Like, Greg, you're <laughs> killing me right now. You're killing love, me with this movie. I loved, I love her in this movie, and I love her in uh, Broadcast News. Is like the best. That's like the ultimate Holly Hunter movie to me. That's I like, told you. Crap, uh, and Copycat. I was waiting for her to get killed. I could, I was just like, <laughs> when is it gonna happen? Why is this bitch still breathing? Why? <laughs> She's gotta go. Oh, I love it. You have such a passionate hate towards her. It's just so great. <laughs> Perhaps in another life, she did something to me. You know? Maybe. Like, Maybe. she might have borrowed 20 bucks and she didn't pay it back. Or Yeah. She really hurt me at some yeah, point. Yeah, I think so. And, <laughs> and I'm just still feeling it in this lifetime. Uh-huh. Yeah, now people that haven't seen this movie, uh, it's just your very simple plot. She um, worked in art and she gets fired, and she uh, her daughter skips out on, played by a very young, cute Claire Danes, skips out on uh, Thanksgiving with her to go screw her boyfriend. She comes out in the trailer and it's hilarious. Uh, so she has to go spend, God forbid, you know, time with her family and great cast. You have, you have Charles, uh, Durning, you have of all the people that show up and Bancroft for crying out loud. And she's she was tour- amazing. She's a tour de force in this. She just, yeah. I, I don't know how Jodie Foster got her, but because she's Jodie Foster and she had clout, but yeah, Anne Bancroft is fantastic, and it's just, it's your typical, I don't need to get too deep into it, just, you know, goofiness ensues with the family and the oversexed parents and, you know, turkey. Oh, well, and don't leave out uh, Geraldine Chaplin, because I oh, thought she yeah. was the, the greatest thing in this movie, other than Anne Bancroft. That, mm-hmm. uh, what was that, Aunt Gladdy? Yeah. She had me riveted. I mean, yep. she she's the only reason I'm – she and Anne Bancroft are the only reason that I lived through watching this. <laughs> I'm just going to say. I couldn't believe you went and you said hey, – she says she, – she Trista tells me she hates it, and then she says, well, I watched it. You know, like what? Nothing else was on? Chinese water torture? What? 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 <laughs> <laughs> You felt like punishing yourself that night. You said you hate who you said you hate her in it. Why why are you watching it? Oh, well, anyway. you know, I wanted to see if I you know, perhaps I was wrong about Holly Hunter. You know, I'm see, that's one thing. I am quite flexible. You know, I, I don't stay rigid in my thinking on 
You know, if I am presented new information that is contrary to what I believed before, I am willing to change my opinion. On this, I was totally right. <laughs> and, you under, and you reinforced it with yourself. Oh, you poor thing. <laughs> All right, let's let's play the trailer. Going for the holidays. I'm working, studying, struggling year after year. You know how to work and studying, struggling year after year. No matter how hard life is. You're fired, Claudia. I have to. <laughs> no matter how difficult things are. Oh, Mom. Him. We talked it out like adults because we're not jerks and we fully realized we made a step safely and not in the car. Happy Thanksgiving, Mom. There's one place you can always go that's worse. Oh, smile, smile. Claudia Larson is going home for the holidays. Henry! I can see you, Claudia. When you see your father's organ, he can't keep his hands off it. Dear Lord, we realize just lately everything's been changing too damn fast. And all sorts of things are always the same, even things we hated, like shoveling the turkey and stuffing the snow. This is ridiculous. Aunt Gladys waiting. we got to go. Come on. Come on, I'm serious. <laughs> you have to soak this whole tablecloth in vinegar and lemon juice now, Mother, and right away. I have to burn it in hell. That's a sporty necklace. You make that yourself? Good Paramount Pictures presents a film by Jodie Foster. When you go home, do you look around and wonder, who are these people? Where did I even come from? Oh! Here's to us. That's my car, man. What are you doing? What the... Americans. Into the house. Everyone. Before we're in the evening news. Let's go out and keep eating, okay? It'll be okay if we just stuff ourselves till we can't even think anymore. Home for the holidays. Mom, do you like spot with us together? it? our shows until we can't shink anymore. <laughs> oh, God. <Ugh. laughs> uh, I did have to say there was one moment when I laughed heartily, and that was when uh, Robert Downey Jr. is carving that friggin' turkey, and it flies <laughs> off the plate and lands on his sister. <laughs> that That was pretty funny. It's great. It's great. It's a fun movie. I got turned on to it by a, a friend, and it was just like, yep, yep, got to watch this. Friend or I enemy? I like watching it. Are you sure it was a friend? Friend. Friend. <laughs> a friend that knew. I have, a, I have, a, I have a, a, a deep affection for Holly Hunter. So. <laughs> All right. We'll disagree to disagree on yes. the, the fantastic Miss Hunter. <laughs> All right. Let's go on to your next round. So I'm connecting through uh, Michael Gow, who was in uh, Batman Returns. He also was in A Christmas Carol uh, in 1984. It's a TV movie um, with George C. Scott as a the Scrooge this time around. And I don't, I mean, I don't really want to go into into great depth about. Uh, Christmas Carol, because it's, you know, it's just a, it's, I will say it's one of the better adaptations of, you know, this movie, or, or from the book. Uh, it's, it's enjoyable, but it's not, 
uh, I wouldn't say it's like super special or anything. I prefer the animated versions over any of the live action ones, actually. But uh, there's one standout for me in this movie, and that is uh, Edward Woodward. He's fucking scary, like crazy scary uh, in this movie. And, uh, you know, I think it's a good way to uh, scare your kids. Make them watch this <laughs> because him as the gro- the ghost of Christmas present, he's pretty scary. And it's a good way to get your kids to behave. Just tell them the ghost of Christmas present is going to come visit you if you don't. Yeah, forget about not getting gifts from Santa Claus. Just say this guy's going to come see you. <laughs> you can uh, you can create your own YouTube video of that. You showing your kids uh, <laughs> <laughs> Christmas Carol scaring the crap out of them. I'm uh, just going to show them that one scene. They don't even need to yeah. see the whole movie. Just show them that. <laughs> yeah, I remember it too, and I haven't seen this movie in probably at least a decade I haven't seen it and yeah it is it, it out of the live action Christmas carols this is this was the best one I think I mean this is back when this is this is an example of a good CBS Christmas special where he, it was produced well and the casting was good and it's, it's yeah it's, it's it's a good telling of the story that everybody know knows and and uh yeah I, th- I think I think it's a great choice. Uh, let's play a scene from it. Merry Christmas, Bob Cutter. And the same to you, Mr. Fred. Merry Christmas, Uncle. I said Merry Christmas, Uncle. <laughs> humbug. Christmas a humbug, Uncle. Surely you don't mean that. I do. What's Christmas? But a time for buying things for which you have no need, no money. Time for finding yourself a year older, not an hour richer. <laughs> if I could work my will, every idiot who goes about with Merry Christmas on his lips <laughs> should be boiled in his own pudding <laughs> and buried with a stake of holly through his heart. <laughs> Come now, Uncle. Neville. You keep Christmas in your way and let me keep it in mine. Keep it? But you don't keep it. Let me leave it alone, then. Much good it may do you. Much good it has done you. There are a great many things from which I might have derived good, from which I have not profited, I dare say. Christmas among the rest. But I've always thought of Christmas time when it comes round as a good time. A kindly, forgiving, charitable time. A time when men and women seem by one consent to open their shut-up hearts freely to their fellow creatures. And so Uncle Bert has never put a scrap of gold or silver into my pocket. I do believe that it has done me good. And I say, God bless it. Not a sound from you. And you'll keep your Christmas by losing your situation. Quite a powerful speaker, sir. I wonder you don't go into Parliament. Please don't be angry, Uncle. Come, dine with us tomorrow. Dine with you. Boiling and pudding. Wow. Yeah. That's deep, man. 
Yeah, stick of holly, like, through the heart. I mean, this is, he's, he's hardcore. I know. It's George C. Scott, man. He can deliver that, that, that stuff, man. Oh, yeah, he's, he's thoroughly just wretched in this. He, he's amazing. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I really, I really like this. Um, yeah. Um, let's go on to your next round because my next two come as a package deal for sure. Uh, so let's, let's get your next round. All right. So connecting, um, through, whoops, hold on. Um, <clears throat> connecting through, uh, Vincent Chiavelli, uh, who was in A Christmas Carol. He's also in the wonderful comedy, Better Off Dead from 1985. Yes. This movie is a 10. It is perfection. It is, you can't take your eyes off the screen because you will miss something funny. It's just this amazing comedy. Um, stars John Cusack. He, his girlfriend, like, breaks up with him. And there's just all manner of madness just all around. And he's pretty much surrounded by crazy. And uh, it's, you know, to... Uh, reiterate something you said earlier about, you know, uh, you know, uh, suicide for the holidays. I mean, it's called better off dead because he's like <laughs> contemplating suicide yep. <laughs> uh, because of what's, you know, happening in his life. And, but it's funny. I mean, this movie is just hysterical. Look, somebody threw away a perfectly good white boy. Yeah. <laughs> when he jumps off, when he jumps off the bridge into the garbage truck. <laughs> Well, his friend knocks him off. He was yeah, thinking about jumping, and his friend convinces him that he shouldn't, and then his friend, like, hits him, and then he lands in the garbage truck, and it's amazing. Curtis Armstrong, yes. Yeah. Oh, Booger from Revenge of the Nerds, amazing. Yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, Better Off Dead is, is a classic, and if anybody is out there that is a huge Big Bang Theory fan – uh, St- Steve Holland, who is now show running it, uh, the, uh, the Big Bang Theory, was the director on this film and wrote it. And he's he's amazing. And he did this. And he did a, how I how I got into college and One Crazy Summer. I mean, he was known as Savage Steve Holland, and he was the guy. And all of his films just had this quirkiness, this manic energy, as uh, Tristy you so well put. You know, just like. It, it it amps forward. It just goes and goes and goes and goes and goes and goes, and it's so hilarious, you know, scene after scene after scene. What what what's your favorite scene in the movie? Well, I would have to say I love all the scenes where um, the two the Japanese brothers, every time they encounter John Cusack, they want to race him, and one brother doesn't speak English. And the other brother speaks Howard Cosell. And he's like speaking into this loudspeaker, and it just, it's this never ending challenge. Anytime they see him, they, they race him. And he always ends up uh, crashing into Porky's car. Yep. Or, I can't remember the actor's name, but it's the guy it's who played Porky. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It, it, I, yeah. It, it, those scenes were hilarious. Oh my god! And it's funny you say the Porky guy. My favorite scene is, of course, when uh, he 
passes out and falls asleep on the job John Cusack's character does at his burger job that his father is forced him to get a job and uh, he has a dream that one of the uh, hamburger patties has come to life. A la, he's brought it to life a la Frankenstein uh, to play guitar and it's a claymation animated scene of, you know, Savage Steve was just like stoned out of his mind and said, yeah, here's what, here's what the ultimate stoner want. They would want a dancing hamburger, dancing and, you know, singing and guitar, heavy metal guitar playing, uh, uh, hamburger to everybody wants some by Van Halen. It's <laughs> phenomenal. It's the best. Oh yeah. I love that scene too. It's just, <laughs> You just don't know where you're going to go, but you're enjoying the ride. Yeah. Well, let's play um, the, the, the Christmas portion of Better Off Dead, which is just incredible. Hello, Beth. Hey, it's Christmas. I was just thinking maybe um, me and you could... No, 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 we didn't open our presents yet. You did. The cutest thing ever. From Roy. A giant teddy bear bigger than you. Sounds great. No, it really does sound good. Look, Beth, I gotta go. The Christmas tree's on fire. Now, open this window. I remembered how much you liked the chocolate nut brownie in this one. And look, corn and seasoned sauce. Huh? He likes corn. Now, come on, Ricky, don't be shy. Give me a present. Come on, give me a present. <laughs> come on. <laughs> That's a Christmas present. You have Christmas in France? Christmas! Christmas! <laughs> it's from Ricky. <laughs> you can take that wherever you go to always remember your trip to the United States. screening of it two years ago at Beyond Fest here and everybody came except stick in the mud John Cusack who thinks he's too important to uh, show up for such things and apparently was invited because uh, Steve Holland's like yeah looks like somebody was too big to show up that I invited and we're all like we know (laughs) I read that he hates this movie and I don't know why um, Chris Hardwick tried to ask him about it when he had John Cusack on the podcast and John just like dismissed the entire early part of his career. And I'm like, bro, if you didn't have that part of your career, you wouldn't be making serendipity in Con Air, you a-hole. Like, chill out. What a you douchebag. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. But yeah, the, the whole cast was there and they were just like so thankful for this film and even he, he, the, what was the biggest treat 
was the kid from the bike. The I, I want my two dollars. Was there? He showed up. Oh my god! And everybody wanted their picture with him. <laughs> he's like shoving past Curtis Armstrong to get. No, he's here. The kid showed up. He's here. Grown ass man. He's just like, wow, I'm, I'm a star. We're like, dude, you were you were the movie. <laughs> I want my two dollars. I want my two dollars. Oh, Goes off God. the cliff. I want my two dollars. K twelve. You gotta 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 uh, ski K twelve. <laughs> oh yeah. You know, if it takes that much, I'm gonna say I'm not getting the girl. Yeah. You know, I'm not yeah. getting her because that's bullshit. Even though it was Amanda Weiss who was who was hot yeah did you notice okay so in the movie there's a a scene i think they're in the cafeteria at school and she's with the new boyfriend you know the stereotypical kind of douchebag popular dude who you know he can ski the the k-12 you know in what 2.5 seconds or some bulls and um he's got his whole entourage with him and they're walking off, and one of the guys in his entourage is wearing a red and green striped Freddy Krueger sweater. Ah. Yeah. I never caught that. Ah, uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, I watched it again recently, and I was like, oh, my God. There's a Freddy Krueger reference in this movie. Savage Steve Holland inside joke. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> but I, I, before we move on, I just have to mention uh, how amazing Kim Darby is in this movie. Uh, oh, yeah. As the wacky mom, I mean, the the meals that she prepares are just well. For Christmas, she gave out frozen dinners, which is probably yep. a good thing, even though her husband looked thoroughly perplexed that she would be doing this, but I would say the family should be thankful because that means they will have edible food as a result. But there's like one scene where she'd made, I don't even know what this was supposed to be. It was like this glop and it was green. And it was like running off the spoon. And at, at some point they're at the table talking at dinner and John Cusack's dinner has crawled off the plate yes <laughs> it's like crawled away <laughs> oh yeah that's that's that i mean that's what makes this movie so wonderful is like yeah all of a sudden there's a dancing uh hamburger all of a sudden there's a a green bunch of dinner that's alive that slithers off a plate i mean that's just his brain the way he works it's this amazing amazing movie we could we could sit here and talk for two hours just about scene for scene all the hilarious moments of 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 uh of, of better off dead just just so awesome um so let me do my round four and my package deal is going to be two brent brent easton ellis movies in a row and i know you're thinking What's this got to do with uh, Christmas? Well, he likes putting Christmases in, in his movies, apparently. Um, I'm going to start with 1987's uh, Depression, another fine uh, Robert Downey Jr. 
coke fueled role, uh, <laughs> less than zero. Which uh, this is the movie that probably put him in the state uh, that he was in in uh, Home for the Holidays. <laughs> a little bit of method acting, I have a feeling, uh, from 1987 back then. It's uh, it's of course uh, everybody's probably read the book, and if you haven't, you should. Uh, the book Less Than Zero is just wonderful, and I was reading it growing up in Chicago. And just loving all the detail and like, oh, you know, somebody has a band playing in their backyard and there's these like insane rich people parties in Beverly Hills and just this is the way these people live. And I was just like, I want to do that someday. And now I'm like, I never want to do that someday. (laughs) (laughs) But when you're 17, you're like, yeah, and in Chicago and it's cold and horrible and you're seeing everybody looking all pretty and you've seen Jamie Gertz looking smoking hot and you're like, yeah, I want to go do that. And then, of course, uh, they um, have the music video for Hazy Shade of Winter by the Bangles, which sets the entire tone for uh, this movie. It's uh, Andrew McCarthy plays Clay, and he comes home back from school on the East Coast. He uh, gets a call from his ex-girlfriend, Jamie Gertz, who cheated on him with his friend, uh, Julian who's now a coked up mess and uh, basically Jamie Gertz is all coked. His ex-girlfriend's all coked up too. And yeah, every, everybody except for Andy McCarthy is all coked up. And, and that's why he's and, so damn boring. He's terrible. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then you've got James Spader shows up as the guy that loans him $50,000 uh, loans Julian, uh, Robert Downey Jr., $50,000 to uh, do a record label because uh, he failed at it already. So why not throw bad money after bad money and do it again? And, uh, I mean, this was the 80s. That a lot of people threw bad money after bad money. That was what you did back then, the age of excess. So uh, I just I, – I like a little bit of darkness with my holiday. You have your people that like your – this This to me is like my uh, Nightmare Before Christmas. <laughs> yeah. If that makes any sense. You you have uh, – you know, people uh, people almost falling out of cars. You you've got just California decadence from end to end, and uh, it's funny because it was uh, directed by this uh, by this British director, and it's like the only uh, Merrick, whatever his name is, and he never did really anything else. It was oh, like because wow. this movie failed. It's like he never. I, I'm like, did he do anything else of note? And if you look at his IMDb, it's like, nope, not not wow. really anything. <laughs> I love but if this you haven't movie. seen this movie, it's a, it's a, it's not a feel good movie, but it's it's to me to me it's dark, dark Christmas, and uh, just uh, when was the, it, did you've seen this film? When was the last time you saw it? Oh gosh, it's probably probably been a decade since I last uh-huh. watched it, and I I actually was gonna try to. Act fit it in today at some point because I I I really like I, I saw it several times. You know, I saw it in the theater and I watched it several times afterwards and for at some point it kind of fell off my radar. I love Brett Easton Ellis. Um <clears throat> he's like one of my favorite writers and I mean I think that this movie really captures what he's going for in the book of this kind of like the emptiness 
of these people's lives. They have everything, and they've got nothing, you know? Definitely. Uh, the only reason why I wouldn't give this movie a 10 is because of Andrew McCarthy. I just see his face, and I want to punch it. I mean, he does nothing, nothing for me. Um, I, I always found him just kind of boring, although I did like Mannequin, but that's because I think I have a mannequin fetish. Like, I, I kind of like that idea of, like, this uh, perfect being, you know, coming to, you know, this this, you know, formed figure all of a sudden coming to life and it's, you know, everything that you could ever possibly want. Or you can make it into that because, uh, you know, it, uh, you can kind of shape how this thing thinks and whatnot. But <clears throat> he's the only thing in the movie that I, I didn't enjoy. And it's got my boyfriend in it, James Spader. He doesn't know he's my boyfriend, but he is. Uh, I, you know... I will watch anything <laughs> with him in it. He is, or was, not so hot now, but back then, I just, he was the hottest human being on the planet for me. I just always, and I didn't care how mean he was. In fact, the meaner he was, the more I liked him. <laughs> you girls and your teenagers. <laughs> <laughs> the meaner the guy, the hotter he is. Um, yeah, I, I, I agree with you about Andrew McCarthy. I always called him the crying guy. He always looks like he's going to cry. He always looks like he's welling up. Yeah. And St. Almost Fire, he always looks like he's going to cry. Like everything, you know, fresh horses, you know, I'm the sensitive guy. Yeah, we get it. You're the sensitive guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Great. He's not my favorite part of this film. I'm with you. Well, my favorite part is Robert Downey Jr. method acting. (laughs) Yeah, coked out of his mind, and you can tell he's not acting. He's just way, way gone in this movie. But he's it, Julian. He's just he's phenomenal, and he's your he's your typical lost guy in in L.A. Just and I, I don't want, I don't want to spoil I don't want to spoil the ending for anybody. I think we all know what happens at the end. But <laughs> Merry Christmas. Yeah, um, no one portrays. Someone getting forced into prostitution better than Robert Downey oh, Jr. God, there's <laughs> nothing better than when he when Henry McCarthy finds him in the bed in just his underwear. Oh God, it's oh, so gross. Like, like I I always I always say my 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 two of my favorite like when you've hit rock bottom scenes in film are that one and like the. Uh, the beginning of my own private Idaho. <laughs> uh, <laughs> nothing, nothing like uh, being a narcoleptic <laughs> when you're supposed to fillet some guy and oops, I fell asleep. <laughs> <laughs> narcoleptic prostitutes. It doesn't work. People you, you might want to choose another line of work. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Let's, let's play the trailer for less than zero. Clay is coming home on vacation. Home to Beverly Hills. Home to his two closest friends. 
All you have to do is relax. I'm going to pay you back. All you need to do is trust me. I don't want to trust you, Julian. I just want my 50K, all right? Home to the beautiful. You don't look happy. But do I look good? <laughs> and the out of control. lot of trouble. This cannot go on forever. You owe me a lot of cash. I, I don't know what to do, and you're the only one. What happens when you pay? I don't need a discussion on the finer points of morality. Spare me! He disappears, nobody knows where, and then he comes back like nothing ever happened. Live your life any way you want, but not here. What do you want? I'm looking for Julian. Are we having fun? Is that what we're doing? Let me know. It doesn't feel that way. You don't know what you're talking about. What you're doing? I know what Julian is doing. I am not like Julian. All right, leave me alone. What are you going to do now? Are you going to go back to Richard? Hi, and I really want to know what you're going to do now. I don't know. Julian! Everyone is accountable. Make me understand, Julian. I really want to understand. I'll handle it. When you're young and rich in Beverly Hills, the fun can last all night. The night can last all day. And the scars can last a lifetime. Maybe a short lifetime. The controversial bestseller about the Beverly Hills rich kids is now a sensational new movie from 20th Century Fox. Andrew McCarthy, Robert Downey Jr., and Jamie Gertz. Less than zero. Man, that's a sweet tagline, huh? Hell yeah. <laughs> the days, are, the nights are like days, and the days are long, and oh man, it's deep. Good times. <laughs> <laughs> so let me move on to my round five, and it's a. And it's linked, of course, with the great uh, Brenny Snellis. And I, I, I basically wanted to pair these two together because they both have some great Christmas stuff in them. But uh, I like to, in my own little crazy brain, think of the movie American Psycho as uh, James Spader's character Rip growing up <laughs> and living <laughs> in New York. Good way to put it. It's it, it, kind of it, it, Brett always writes these characters where there's the one guy that is just scum, and it's like, well, yeah, I, I remember seeing American Psycho. I'm like, this is like if Rip grew up, and, yeah, <laughs> and became a businessman in New York and turned out to be a psycho killer. Okay, yeah, I could see that happening. Um, uh, if you haven't seen American Psycho, you have to see it and what the the great um thing about this movie is it's about a guy that's you know a closet serial killer but uh it's directed by mary heron so it's directed by a woman which to me adds a whole other level of uh just awesome to it just you it has this frantic energy to it in certain scenes and she does such a great job and she directed, uh, if I remember this correctly, Mary Heron, she directed uh, the Like a Prayer video, right? I think so. Uh, I don't remember. I think so. And if I'm correct, somebody tweet me and yell at me. But 
So it has the same like kinetic, frantic energy to the movie. But it, it's great because it also has its like little downtime where you get these great uh, little uh, moments of uh, Patrick Bateman uh, played by uh, uh, Christian, the great Christian Bale just spouting off all of these philosophies and stuff. And oh, God, like he's the, crazy. The, the, the greatest, the greatest treaties. Uh, and then he leads it into his inner dialogue comes out when he starts killing people uh, left and right and his bloodlust builds and he uh, <laughs> gives these great treaties on uh, like uh, the best one, of course, being about Huey Lewis in the news and the sports album. <laughs> <laughs> I love that part. <laughs> oh, that's one of my favorite scenes. My other favorite scene is him having sex in the mirror and just looking in the mirror and flexing his muscles. (laughs) This man is a sociopathic nut. (laughs) My, my other, other than uh, the whole sports album review uh, is uh, the whole deal with the business cards because I work in advertising and it is totally, uh, well, not so much anymore because, Business cards are kind of becoming kind of obsolete in a way, but uh, back in the day, it was who had the the most killer business card. It's all about that card. That's it's everything. Mm-hmm. It, that's your company right there. But what I love about every time he brings it up is it's just different shades of white or gray. He's like, <laughs> is, this, is this a slate? Is this a slate? Yeah, no, I'm egg eggshell. It's all no, no. It's bone. You don't get it. You know, it's just it's a white damn card or a gray damn card, and it's the breast is so great at peppering that because yeah, there there are shithead business guys like that and that work on Wall Street, and I mean the cast in here is great too. You get uh. You know, Chloe Sevigny, you get Samantha Mathis, all these different women that he's dated, and Chloe Sevigny's a secretary, and uh, you got Jerry Leto in here, uh, yeah. and uh, Reese Witherspoon is his uh, girlfriend at one point, and it's just all these, it, it's a phenomenal, phenomenal cast of, of people. And let me play the Christmas scene from American Psycho. Hey, McCoy, what do you say? Hey, Hamilton, have a holly jolly Christmas. Is Alan still handling the Fisher account? Of course, who else? Mistletoe alert! May X is Patrick. Mm. May X is Harry. Mm. Merry Christmas. Good late, honey. Yes, you are. I've been here the entire time. You just didn't see me. Say hello to Snowball. Snowball says, Merry Christmas, Patrick. What is it? It's a little baby pinky winky, isn't it? It's the Vietnamese pot belly pig. My darling pet. Don't you. Don't you. Fuck down, Patrick. You're such a Grinch. So what does Mr. Grinch want for Christmas? And don't say breast implants again. Alan. Marcus, Merry Christmas, how you been? Workaholic, I suppose? Haven't seen you in a while. Hey, Hamilton, we're going to Nell's. Limo's out front. We should have dinner. Maybe you could bring, uh, 
Cecilia? Yes, Cecilia. Oh, Cecilia would adore it. Well, then let's do it, Marcus. Great party. Thanks. Patrick, why is he calling you Marcus? <gasps> Mistletoe alert. I love the way Christian Bale talks. Christian Bale talks. Have a holly jolly Christmas, Trista. <laughs> you sound so sincere. Have <laughs> a holly jolly Christmas. And when I see this movie, it makes me think of an, the other great uh, Brad Easton Ellis. Um, it's a movie that barely anybody sees, but it's a cable kind of classic, and that's Rule, Rules of Attraction. And it's so good. And it's basically um, uh, James Vanderbeek playing another Bateman. And he actually, uh, uh, Christian Bale's character is acknowledged in there where he talks to him on the phone, apparently. And it's just yet another. And there's another Christmas scene in that one, too. And it, that's basically um, uh, American Psycho without the killing, but in college. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh! I Somehow movie. I miss that. You never saw Rules of Attraction? No, I've I've seen it, but oh. I I miss the Patrick Bateman connection. Yeah, yeah. He uh, they they say something about oh oh I was talking to my brother Patrick and I'm like get out. <laughs> <laughs> this <laughs> movie. It's Patrick's brother. Then you wonder why. Oh, no wonder James Vanderbeek's character is such a such a nut, nut job. Yeah, <laughs> runs in the family. <laughs> the genes are great. <laughs> this uh, American Psycho is uh, one of the movies that uh, I scarred one of my kids with because uh, <laughs> I was watching it one time. And she came in the room, and she thought I was just, you know, mom's watching another horror movie or whatever. And she decided to sit in with me, and it gave her nightmares. Uh, it, yeah, it's, and it's funny because, uh, you know, that's the kind of stuff I watch all, you know, a great deal of the time, <laughs> and my kids have gotten used to it. But this particular movie, for some reason, really struck her. And, uh, like, literally, like, in the brain, because she, uh, uh, it was the scene with the, uh, I think it's the prostitute running down the stairs, and he yeah. drops the chainsaw. Yeah, the very shiny chainsaw. Yeah. Yeah. That's the one that did it. She she just was like, oh, my God, I had a dream about that. I had a nightmare about that. <laughs> You're a good mother. So my work is done. Don't worry about it. <laughs> that Mother You're of the Year award's going to come any day now. Yeah, it's going to be a chainsaw. Yeah, it's going to be a chainsaw <laughs> award. Yeah, on a pedestal. Oh, dripping God. blood. Yes. <laughs> All right, let's let's finish up your uh let's finish up your uh, rounds. With your uh, All last right, film. So last film is connected by Booger. Uh, <laughs> Curtis Armstrong uh, was in Better Off Dead. Uh, my final film is that great American classic, Jingle All the Way, uh, from 1996, with uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger and Sinbad. And we've got uh, Phil Hartman in here. Uh, I 
love this movie. I don't remember how well it did. Uh, you know. Oh, it was huge. And, it was this big. It was a big Schwarzenegger hit. It was. It was enormous at the time. Okay, good. I hardly ever pay attention to that part. I just like look at like whether I like it or not, and not so much about like does everybody else like this too. Um, I this movie's a great family film, which you know I don't watch many of those, so you know. This is a special day happening right now. I'm recommending a family movie. And it's so, it's just cute, and it's funny, and Arnold is on his A game. I I like his comedies. Even though Sinbad's in it, it's still funny. (laughs) (laughs) Damn, that's cold. That's cold. Have you seen him? I mean. Oh, yeah, come on. I actually saw he him was, do stand up oh, once, unfortunately. Holy crap. Oh oh my God. And, I mean he was the, he was he was tolerant on Star Search because you were getting mm-hmm. these little bits of him. Yeah. And he seemed really funny there. Uh-huh. He's not movie material. He's no, like five no. minutes and move on. Funny. Yeah. <laughs> The worst part was after we saw him do stand-up, this is back in Chicago, uh, of course, my girlfriend at the time, I want to meet him, I want to meet him, okay, let's go meet him, and she's like, you know, what's the secret to your comedy, and blah, 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 and he's like, oh, I just come up with concepts, and I usually just make it all up as I go along, and I'm in my head going, yeah, it seems like it. <laughs> <laughs> Not a lot of thought going into <laughs> Sinbad's, you know, comedic process. Uh, let's, let's leave well, poor Sinbad alone. <laughs> okay, yeah, well, uh, yeah. Let's leave him alone. He's, he's. I don't know how he's doing these days. Whatever. Good luck to you, Sinbad. Uh, you got a cool name. Uh, for those who haven't seen Jingle All the Way, the story in a nutshell is uh, Arnold's this dad who's a workaholic and he misses out on a lot of stuff with his son, and the one. Thing he is tasked to do to make up for his year long of fucking up, apparently, is to get this Turbo Man action figure for his kid. And he, of course, he forgets that he's supposed to get it. And what we have is him frantically going all over the city trying to get this doll for his kid. And it's, it's hysterical. I love this movie. It's um, this was in the time of the Cabbage Patch dolls, and every year there was like an ultimate toy, and yeah. so I always liked this movie because it was just yeah, uh, every uh, you know every every parent's nightmare. Oh God, I forgot. Oh God, I got to run all over the city and get this one damn thing. <laughs> and it, yeah, it's good. I like Arnold Schwarzenegger in comedies too. I agree with you. One of my favorite movies that he did was Twins. I love it. Oh, it's and, so good. Uh, and another great comedy he did was Running Man, which most people don't find a comedy, but I do for some reason, but that's just me. <laughs> no, that movie's funny. It is funny. <laughs> Any movie with Richard Dawson in it is funny. <laughs> yeah, well, in, in Jingle All the Way, there's just this one, I mean, to my favorite scene is when he uh, takes on all the Santas. Yeah. Like, he 
bites a room full of Santa Clauses, and one of them is a tiny Santa Claus, and I believe he picks up the tiny Santa Claus and uses them to hit another Santa Claus. I mean, yep. it's so wrong, but it's so right. <laughs> yep. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's just a fun movie. It's just a totally fun movie. Let's play uh, a clip or a trailer from uh, Jingle All the Way. <laughs> no, Mom's going to do the turkey. Yeah, Dad wants ambrosia, so I guess we got to get those miniature marshmallows. Oops, that went wrong. I think our clips got screwed up. <laughs> I don't have a clip from it, but we described it really well. <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, everybody. just go watch it, people. Take take That's my so word for it. Yeah, everybody knows the movie, and everybody loves the movie. Just go check it out. Um, I'm going to end on the ultimate Christmas movie. <laughs> I'm going to take Willem Dafoe from American Psycho, and I'm like, is it okay for me to do this? Well, yeah, of course it is. It's the it's the story of uh, Christ's life. It's Last Temptation of Christ, everybody. The ultimate Christmas film. And uh, if you're not familiar with this, this isn't Passion of the Christ. This isn't uh, the uh, Mel Gibson one uh, that is equally as bloody and, you know, traumatizing to – if you uh, decide to teach your kids about the story of Christ, you might want to go with a little bit of a watered-down television version first and then lay them on to one of these. But this was the Martin Scorsese-directed, Paul Schrader-written uh, classic from uh, 1988. Uh, Universal Pictures puts this thing together, and uh, it was very controversial at the time because uh, – Willem Dafoe plays a Jesus that um, when he gets on the cross, uh, starts hallucinating and thinking of, uh, hey, what if I actually got to marry Mary Magdalene and have kids and be a normal human being and not have to die for everybody's sins? And it was a uh, book that Nikos Kazantzakis wrote. And it's, I've read the book and I've seen the movie multiple times and I I love the movie. I think it's great. And I think if um, me not being uh, very religious, it actually humanized the story for me. And um, I actually wrote a, um, a uh, when I saw the film, I wrote a, a piece about it for my college paper that I worked for at the time. And it ended up getting published as an editorial on two or three local papers. And I was just getting such flack Trista for this damn editorial (laughs) saying this is a good movie it humanized Jesus you know hey you know if this actually you know this might actually turn some people on you know to you know the religion and I get all these bible thumpers freaking out um sending me like threats and I'm like look I'm I'm trying to promote your religion here. Um, but uh yeah, it's a it's a it's a good movie. Um uh have have you you've seen this before, right? Um so I'm gonna be uh I'm on the other side of the fence on this one. I didn't like it the first time I saw it and I rewatched it again to make sure that I was like, Well, you know, I was pretty young then. Perhaps I was missing something, 
you know, maybe there was something I did I didn't get. I invited a friend over and we made the three hour journey through this movie. I still don't like it. I think it's not for everybody. <laughs> well, sure. it's not the theme. It's not the, 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 the story is really interesting and I actually want to read the book now because I've never read it. I just felt this was like crap filmmaking. I felt it was absolutely miscast. I didn't like the way that it looked. I didn't like the music. I mean, there were scenes, there were things in there that I just like, I went into hysterics just laughing at some of the things that went on in this movie. And I'm like, are we sure Scorsese directed this? Because it just doesn't, I mean, you got Raging Bull and then you got this. I mean, it, it was, I had a totally different experience watching it and I've rated it a one. So if yeah. I've given it a one, I think it's as good as, let me get, let me name you a couple of movies that I've rated a one in my life. Uh, Pro Wrestlers versus Zombies is as good as Last Temptation of Christ. Uh, Ghost Dad is as good as Last Temptation of Christ. Friday the 13th Part 8, Jason Takes Manhattan, is just as good as The Last Temptation of Christ. Well, we have two minutes to go. I want to thank you. Lively review of Last Temptation of Christ. You can you can take her word for it and say screw it. I'm not seeing this damn thing. Or you could take my word for it and have an interesting experience with it. And I'm going to leave us with the one thing that come on you have to have liked about the film is David Bowie plays Pontius Pilate. Man, I mean, yeah, come on. I mean, he he's. He's in the movie for what, like five minutes, and he probably got paid like five million bucks. And yeah, yeah. but he's yeah. Pontius Pilate, man. Yeah, he, he's the hippest Pontius Pilate ever. <laughs> he totally is. He's well, so you have you have a great holiday, Trista. Thank you, and um, I look forward to doing a uh, shows with you in the new year. And uh, have a have a great uh, holiday season with your family. Thank you. You too. All righty. Um, thank you for listening, everybody. Blogtalkradio.com slash GRR or uh, look up uh, The Video Vixen. Uh, what's your website? It's uh, thevideovixen.com. Uh, I'm probably more easily found on uh, – you can find me on Facebook. That's The, the Video Vixen is my uh, Facebook page. and I, um, Or you can connect with me under Trista Perez. I pretty much talk about the same shit on both. <laughs> awesome yeah and you can look for uh, six degrees of retro on instagram always posting fun pictures and stuff thank you for listening everybody and enjoy our last clip david bowie is conscious pilot so you are the king of the jews king's your word well you are jesus of nazareth aren't you yes i am well that's what they're saying you are the king the messiah It's also said that you do miracles. Is this good magic or bad magic? Could we have some kind of uh, demonstration? 
I mean, can you do a trick for me now, say? No. I'm not a trained animal. I'm not a magician. Well, that's disappointing. This means that you're just another Jewish politician. Do you want to know something? You're more dangerous than the zealots. Do you know that? Say something. You had better say something. All right. Tell me what you tell people on the streets. Prophet Daniel had a vision. A tall statue had a gold head and silver shoulders. The stomach was bronze, the legs were iron, the feet were clay. A stone was thrown. The clay feet broke and the statue collapsed. Yes? You see, God threw the stone. The stone's me. And Rome is the statue, yes. So your kingdom, or your world, will replace Rome. Where is it? My kingdom? It's not here. Not on Earth. It wouldn't be, would it? You know, it's one thing to want to change the way that people live, but you want to change how they think, how they feel. All I'm saying is that change will happen with love, not with killing. Either way, it's dangerous. It's against Rome. It's against the way the world is. And killing or loving, it's all the same. It simply doesn't matter how you want to change things. We don't want them changed. You do understand what has to happen. We have a space for you up on Golgotha. Three thousand skulls there by now. Probably more. God! I do wish you people would go out and count them sometime. Maybe you'd learn a lesson. 